hello. And <laughs> all right, this is off to a good start. I'm Gary Horn, and this this is the NWA, a podcast celebrating the past, the present, the future, the legacy, the history, tradition, the whole shebang of one of the greatest pro wrestling entities of all time. You know, I'm talking about that National Wrestling Alliance. And this is a special show where we're digging into the past, but not too far into the past. We're talking about NWA's very first event since the purchase of the National Wrestling Alliance by Billy Corgan, or William Patrick Corgan, if you're nasty. Um, to do that, I brought back some previous guests that were on the uh, NWA YouTube rewatches, if you've listened to those. Yeah, uh, they're extra excited. And uh, one of them was actually here for the all-in review. That's Fred Sims. Yeah, it wasn't you guys. Uh, Fred, you'll notice that I am less drunk than I was during the all-in review. We'll decide if that makes a better or worse show. Yeah, we'll find out. It's because I had like a beer during this one, and now we're recording right after, where now I have a beer and a whiskey in front of me. <laughs> But we'll see how Signific- it goes. Still significantly less than the amount of White Claw slash Truly that you consumed. That is very <laughs> true. There was a lot going on that day. Also with me, though, a lovely couple that uh, has appeared. Todd Davis. Hey, everybody. Todd has appeared on multiple shows. Yeah. Like yeah. a couple of shows. Quite a few. But his better half mm-hmm. is also here, and that's Catherine Davis. Woo! Hello, hello. Hello, Cat. Welcome. So, guys, we sat down and we watched the NWA's NWA 70, which was the 70th anniversary. In fact, Wikipedia lists it like this. The NWA 70th anniversary show was a professional wrestling supercard that took place on October 21st, 2018 at the Tennessee State Fairgrounds Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. It was the first event produced directly under the NWA banner since Billy Corgan became the new owner of the organization in May of 2017. This event was co-produced with Global Force Entertainment and was streamed live on Fight TV. Global Force Entertainment was owned by Jeff Jarrett, who we saw in this thing. And I think they refer to that arena actually as the Asylum. Wikipedia did not mention that. I think they said it a couple times actually during the show. Well, then I'll shut the hell up, I guess. (laughs) All right, so we sat down and we watched NWA 70, and uh, I'll do it this way. Let's start off. Overall, thumbs up, thumbs down, Todd. Uh, Thumbs up, and I'll kind of repeat like what I said. I believe it was my first time on the show. It has a very indie rock feel where it's like not all the camera stuff is perfect. Not all the sound equipment is perfect, but it kind of gives it a feeling of like young authenticity of just like, hey, we're trying to make this work and we're trying to bring this back and make it something special. And it's not fully polished yet. It gives it a tangible feel. Instead of something that's super polished and rehearsed and like cookie cutter, this has more of a a raw, edgy feel. There is an important thing to talk about before we dig into the actual card guarding that exact thing that you're talking about. But Mm -hmm. before we do that, Fred, thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, I would probably say thumbs up. Uh, A lot of the things that Todd is finding endearing in the, the indie feel of it are a little frustrating when you're used to a more polished 
product. Sure. Um, there yeah. were a lot of times that I wanted to mention the camera work specifically. Uh, in the very first match, the, the shot being too far back or the way they didn't seem to be framing them, it got better as they went on. I, I don't know if somebody really, was, was calling that differently. I think they must have. I noticed a really close-up shot of Samuel Shaw's junk at one point. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why is the camera there and, on his crutch? And that first match was really bad with that. It was either too, too pulled back or it wasn't highlighting in the right areas. There was some outside stuff at the beginning of that match and you were only getting one perspective you it wasn't pulled back enough to see what was actually going on and that was frustrating but it, it got better as, yeah. as it went on those type of things can be distracting um i guess if, if you're not used to them but the actual product and and what we got to see was all really great and i think you know they did a, a super smart thing in having cody as the champion going into their first event um nothing against nick all this but the same feelings i had for why aew needed to make jericho their first champion having cody as that champ going into your first big event like that really legitimizes what you're doing you know, as a company, he he's just going to bring more to it than yeah. Aldis is in the beginning. Yeah, because a lot of folks that may not be as familiar with the NWA or AEW, you know, they see Cody, who you know had quite a quite a share of the spotlight with WWE. Right. And I recognize that guy, and yeah, just I mean, not even just WWE it. at Ring of Honor, New sure, Japan, sure. like everywhere yeah. he's touched. He was a hot and, com- and, commodity at this time, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it just made a lot of sense, and I think that was probably one of the smart things, you know, going into it to really build what they did. This so. is just before like probably the announcement of AEW if I if I remember correctly. Yeah. Like I mean just before all that. Um Cat Thumbs up. The audio did bother me a couple times, probably more than the video actually, but I thought it was a lot of fun and a lot of acrobatics. Just felt like everyone was flying off of everything. I agree with that. The I think the actual performers, like the the wrestlers saved the show probably i guess i'll just go ahead and say if it were that they were aew and aew had started off like this with as much like behind them as they have and as much money as they're throwing at this thing i might have been like oh you're screwed but since it's the nwa and they're still very like todd called it indie rock and they're building slower than a company like aew i'm more understanding to those things but i will say that when I watched this, I remember the first time I watched this and I noticed it was absent this time, there were a lot of audio problems. And this recording of it has those dubbed over. And I think you can tell a lot of times when that's happening. And it's like, I mentioned in the music, like the entrance music, it's playing, I think they're dubbing over with the entrance music. Like, especially in the first match or two, Mm. I think that they went back and tried to fix it and put music and you can barely hear the announcers because yeah. the music's so loud. I think that's because they're adding that back. This watches like a really big house show. Yeah. Th- there's a ramp. There's a banner. Couple of signs. Maybe a smoke machine or two. And that's about it. One of the things I did really appreciate about it, and they're going to continue this, and it's actually something that I love. And we can get into a conversation about how much nostalgia works or, or how much you should use or not use. But this is set up like a very old school show it's meant to look like you're watching something from the late 70s or something it's their 70th anniversary everything about it is that feel i think Mm -hmm. i did check out some reviews from around the time and wade keller from the pw torch he had this to say about the beginning of it just to cover kind of what i was talking about he says they opened the show with a video package on the history of the nwa but the audio was mistakenly the ring announcer revving up the crowd 
saying things like, we're about to go live on pay-per-view. Not a smooth start. Then my stream locked up as Cornette, Galley, and Shivani began talking about the main event. A quick refresh fixed my feed, but the audio stream is a fiasco right out of the gate, with the crowd noise mic on as they aired a video. The live chat is full of people noting audio issues. So they were clearly having a problem. I know that the opening of the show, one thing I remember specifically is like, oh, God, I wish I could remember her name right off. I'll get it. But she's interviewing Colt Cabana. Jen Decker? Jen Decker, yeah. And uh, oh, yeah, you don't forget a name of a terrible interviewer like that. <laughs> oh, wow. Ouch. Oh, shots fired Ooh. by Fred. But I'll fight her and Lagana at the same time. <laughs> but that interview, you could not hear Colt at all at the and time, you, it, I remember. Well, no, even in this replay, it was in the very beginning, he started to talk and it sounded like the mic wasn't on or there was some kind of issue that there was that a couple of times. They were showing the videos and I, I know it. one thing I do remember is the Paro video was playing, like Mike Paro when it was coming on and Jim Cornette you could hear, it's just always stuck in my mind, it's like it's like a damn crapshoot or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> He said something along those lines. Lucky that's all he said. Yeah. <laughs> Although I got to say, like, my favorite part of Coco Bana's interview is as he's walking away and she wishes wishes him good luck. And he's like, don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that got me so, oh, just, that just tickled me. I love that. I love also that he walked up and she's like, a man who needs no introduction, which is apparently her thing. She's like, it's Coco Cabana, the blah, 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 blah. And he's like. You said I don't need an introduction. And then you did it anyway. <laughs> All on her honor shit. <laughs> so uh, I guess with Colt Cabana, what do we do? We march through this in order, I, I guess. We'll I've just... got my stuff in order. Sure. Okay. I always wonder about those things. Like last time when we moved Aldous and Well, this Rose... time it's actually the main event. So <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Well, last time we moved it, and as I was listening to myself, I was like, Gary, you were not getting more sober throughout the evening. <laughs> so maybe, you should, maybe you should have talked about Aldous and Rhodes when it appeared on the show. So, I thought the Aldous and Rhodes part was one of the parts that we did really well on. I like, think we did. I, the, the Aldous and Rhodes was actually something that you guys like tightened up. <laughs> uh, I don't think it was that bad, but it was, I mean, it was clearly not the best work. But it's all right. This is the real NWA shit, so we're here for it. All right, so the first match in this show is the first four-way elimination match in the national title tournament, I guess you would call it. This is stage one of a two-stage process. Now, this yeah. is actually a super fun way to do this. Like I, At first, I guess I wasn't fully understanding, and I thought it was going to kind of be eight men in the ring at, at one time. Right. Um, having it, and then seeing that graphic where they broke it down, that it was going to be two four-way matches, and then the winners of those were going to go on. King of the Ring-esque, but the tournament style, which you don't see a lot anymore. Like, it was a very yeah. fun addition to what we had with the, the pay-per-view as a whole. I found that in the wrestling world, a lot of people talk shit about people doing tournaments, but tournaments are, like, one of my favorite things. I love a good tournament. It's cool because you kind of get to see a lot of wrestlers rapid fire back to back or in this case you know four of them in the ring at the same time and that's kind of cool speaking of the four those four in this one were sam shaw colt cabana sammy guevara he mr. made sure to correct her mr mr money's worth and scorpio sky i thought it was a pretty good match to start off with i mean there was some weird comedy stuff that i'm sure a guy like jim Cornette was not a fan of like with the glove and stuff <laughs> that's yeah. colt cabana though one of my biggest issues with him over the course of me being aware of him as a wrestler is that he doesn't seem to take it seriously. 
ever. He, he puts the entertainment yeah, really before um, the sport. And it, it makes it seem like it's more about him than what's actually going on. And that that's mm-hmm. always bothered me with him. And a massive criticism of Cole Cabana. Or, um, uh, you are certainly not alone in that. A lot of people have that issue. And as you see the NWA progress, it's a thing that I think is addressed, actually. In terms of self-promotion, he's really good. I knew who he was before CM Punk hit big time wrestling because I had followed some things on the internet and Colt Cabana was a name that I knew. But once I became aware of him and and actually paid attention, the self-promotion seems like it's the more important aspect and he makes things all about himself. And that, like I said, that it's a little bit bothersome. Like when it's time for that, awesome, do it and do it a hundred percent. But when you're in the match, everyone should be equally as involved and it seems like he's more looking for everyone should just look at me forget these other people type situation i think stuff like the comedy aspect which was fine i get it but having that right at the top of the show if you're talking about the whole event as one show maybe that would have been better in the second part so that would that would have been like a little more comic relief because a lot of this was either very serious or very nostalgic in dealing with the tradition of the nwa and then having that comedic moment to sort of break the tension in the middle hell shakespeare did it he had he had comic relief and all his stuff and all his stuff had people like cheating and doing incest and killing each other but he he knew enough to have some comedic relief in there for the audience that probably would have would have worked better in the middle in the second round as opposed to at the start of the show but yeah no i can see that but yeah there's actually a few things just like this that this show is going to bring up for me but we we are in a time that if you follow wrestling twitter and and that sort of thing that there's several different things that are happening right now but comedy wrestling is a big one you know the people that are opposed to it are opposed to it for the fact that I think like what Fred's talking about with Colt Cabana is you're in a match and you're trying to win this brand new championship. This is supposed to mean a lot for your career. You not taking it seriously and treating it like it's a joke does not help yourself or the championship. Nobody would be cool with Tom Brady going around scratching his crotch being like, whoa, screw all these fans. I'm having a good time, you know. They well, just like Brady. right before the hike, reaching over and slapping one of the defensive dudes in the face with his towel. Like. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like people want Tom Brady to be like, this is serious stuff. I'm here to win a game. So it's that mentality of, you know, we're all in a place right now where we know what wrestling is. Mm-hmm. But I even kind of subscribe to this is that working on this together, people want to suspend their disbelief. And you are supposed to help that happen. Well, do you think and, it's part of a necessity because some of the curtain has been pulled back like over the decades of pro wrestling? Like there's been a few instances where for better or for worse, we've gotten a glimpse behind the curtain. And so to adapt and stay alive and, and stay fresh, they've had to do this. Well, NWA seems to be trying to like walk a fine line with that. They want to have these like video packages of people behind the scenes and show like who they are authentically Mm. as people Mm -hmm. and and Cole Cabana by the way is not the worst offender of this I mean where people get really irritated is guys like Joey Ryan who are on the independent scene he's the like controversial one and I don't know if you guys have seen him but Mm -mm. his dick can yeah he flips people over with his dick yeah his dick is like all powerful (laughs) 
He was in the all-in pay-per-view. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about dicks in that episode. So if you want to go back and listen to that one, just a little bit of dick nostalgia if you want. It is. Okay. So guys like Joey Ryan are a big part of this. There's Orange Cassidy who just showed up at AEW who's like too cool to care. So he like keeps his yep. hands in his oh, pockets. Yeah, I saw that guy. Yeah. So you didn't get to see like all of his shtick, but his thing is he just never gives a shit. His hands are in his pocket. He'll like slap you sometimes. Oh, that sounds familiar. Well, the other no, thing no, is... we just we just tackled another <laughs> yeah, issue. We're, now we're in a personal. My criticism of Colt Cabana here isn't to label him as one of the people I dislike the most for this or anything, but he's the one in this match. That's why I'm highlighting oh, yeah. him well, and well, focusing on him. I was watching it, so I mean, it's definitely something I wanted to bring up. Is like it, it's like a serious match, and you see a guy like Sam Shaw, who's legit huge well put together man looks serious and he's trying to fight but then you get that glove spot and so everybody's like slapping each other in the face with a glove and i cat i even heard you say at what point like it can't hurt that bad right (laughs) it can't hurt that bad so it's like at what point is it too much it's like maybe sell it like i can't believe you just did that to me don't yeah, act like it just like almost knocked you out. Yeah, that he Cabana in the face. hitting him with that glove should piss him off, not lay him out. So it's yeah. I feel like you know I can't speak for everybody, but there's there's a line to walk with the comedy stuff. I mean, Colt's got some badass moves that he does that are just because he's kind of a big guy and he moves around pretty well yeah he does and that's the thing he's been wrestling for almost 20 years now like he's very talented in terms of what he does and then if you separate that he's very funny he's very articulate he's a good mix but there's something about putting all of that together and what he presents me in the ring that just doesn't connect. Everybody was eliminated. Cabana went for a dive, but ended up getting rolled up by Sam Shaw, which eliminated him. Quickly, Scorpio Sky hits a bicycle knee that eliminates Sammy Guevara. And hate to interrupt you for a second, but did anybody else feel like... uh Scorpion Sky, his video package kind of remind them of Walter Payton. I could see that. See I guess, that? yeah, just like he, him he running in a, the desert and pushing the sled and the whole thing. I was like, yeah, okay, that's kind of cool. Should have been the UFC thing. Yeah, I kind of hope in the future, like they kind of go with that and let him be that guy. Once Sammy's eliminated, Samuel Shaw eliminates Scorpio with a super kick, and Samuel Shaw wins this match and goes on. So everybody gets like a little bit of what they are. I mean, I could tell you about some of them. Sammy Guevara has a cool story for a modern-day wrestler and and I think looked like a star in this match. He's like a YouTuber guy, like has a very well-subscribed-to YouTube channel. And in the modern day, it's a unique way to get over, and, yeah. and it works for him. Sam Shaw's got like a crazy person gimmick. But all of these guys, while we're talking about them, Scorpio Sky and Sammy Guevara are both in AEW now. I mean, you talked about how Guevara looked in this match. I think he looked better here than he has in either of his showings. I thought the same thing. I mean, there's at one point where he did something and I was like, where has this been? Like, if you were doing this in AEW... I probably would have liked you more. He in the first show in AEW saw him in came out in like the huge panda head or something. And like, he just hasn't had quite this showing. Sam Shaw, he's in NXT and he's a character named Dexter Loomis now. One of the weird parts of Halloween reference. Yeah, Mm. exactly. A lot of these guys you're going to see throughout this pay-per-view. What's funny is is it's like the NWA booked some great people and And everyone else snapped. It's cool to like slow build, but also... All of this talent is going away. Like, they're all going to these other places. It's everybody in this match. I mean, even Colt Cabana, 
wrestles mostly with Ring of Honor, but he will continue to work with NWA for a while longer. Anyway, I thought it was a good match. I thought it was kind of short, but yeah, to me, I I put that I thought Guevara stood out, and uh, Scorpio Sky looks cool. I get the Walter Payton thing, and love the bears but he didn't do as much as i've seen him do on aew kind of the reverse of what you were talking about fred with sammy but i thought all four did their job and sam shaw looked good just like as a beast of a man yeah Yeah. i gotta think (laughs) that scorpio sky's involvement here was kind of like a trade in effect because if you go back to right before 70 nick aldis and christopher daniels actually fought in ring of honor and then you have that ring of honor talent come over to you know just be one of the guys in the tournament i I got I think that's more of a loner thing. So I don't know that they were necessarily trying to highlight who he is because he's way more talented than what he did in this match. Yeah, he looked fine, you know, but he just did. He did not do as much as you think. He, he kind of took a back seat. He was and Cat overshadowed while we were watching guys. it. You know, she even at the end, she was like, wow, that was really fast. How that like yeah, it was quick. For yeah. four of them. Exactly. Yeah. All right, we'll move on. Blue Demon Jr. is interviewed by Jennifer Decker. Blue Demon Jr. is like a former NWA champion who was like the first mexican nwa champion i believe that's cool he said he wanted a shot yeah he, he i couldn't tell if he was like trying to say he wanted a shot or, or at just least bring it to mexico bring it to mexico oh, whoever mexico. wins between cody and all of us but, but his but. excellent interviewer was just like okay that's a challenge you know like don't follow up on that at all <laughs> fred is gonna start a rivalry with jennifer decker <laughs> I can see it now. So the next match is uh, Laredo Kid versus Barrett Brown. I just have this image in my head of her at home. Just like, why won't Fred leave me alone? I'm going to start showing up to events and interviewing people after she's interviewed them. And I'll be like, okay, now that you're thoroughly confused, can I ask you questions about what's going to happen tonight? Like, yeah. <laughs> So Barrett Brown, he's a veteran in the history of NWA. Like he's wrestled in like all of the small promotions, like when the NWA just kind of broke up all throughout. So I'm sure that that's why he's here. Uh, he's a former junior heavyweight champion, which I think Jim Cornette actually mentions in the match. Uh, Laredo Kid, AAA guy, luchador. If you don't know him, most people might have seen him on Fighter Fest. He teamed with the Lucha Brothers versus Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Cool. I don't know that he's an AEW talent. I think he's AAA still, but... Yeah. I mean, he looked entirely different in this than he did at Fighter Fest. Um, I thought the costume at Fighter Fest was kind of cool. He had, like, Rifter mask instead of the, you know, the big headpiece that he had here. But Barrett Brown, this was an introduction um, for me. I had never seen him or or anything before. I thought both of these guys kind of killed it. It was super fun. It felt to me, especially at the top, it felt like just a big exhibition of Laredo Kid's aerial skills, which are... Fine, that's great, but it felt a little one-sided at first. They didn't get into a real back and forth until halfway or two-thirds through the match. So Laredo misses a dive and gets caught with a bicycle knee by Barrett for the three count. I thought it was a great match. Way too quick to try to talk about anything specific. They were like all over the place. Yeah. It was a really cool athletic match. I think all of these these first two matches were really good at just being like the amp people up. The icebreakers. Yeah. The high energy. Bump up the crowd. Yeah. yeah. The uh, next matchup, you get video of Mike Perro, Jennifer Decker, Fred's new my favorite Future wife I mean, she's she's uh, honestly the best backstage interviewee the the one she did with uh, rory dory funk was amazing <laughs> we're getting to that one but in this one she interviews willie mack james ellsworth and jay bradley show up and they do like a whole thing moving on to more audio issues even on the uh trying to fix it version that we watched uh ricky starks is out at the commentary booth with Cornette and 
Joe Galley, and he's saying some stuff. You can barely hear what he's saying, just about being the best or something. And he says, show my video. And then the video is super loud. It's <laughs> but kind it was of just a music. Awkward. It yeah. was a weird video. Ricky Starks on Twitter, I've retweeted some of his videos, and he legitimately has some really cool videos. <laughs> And I was so disappointed watching this one because I wanted, I don't know if you've ever tried to show somebody something. So like you guys are all sitting in the living room and I'm like, oh, they're going to love this. Ricky Starks is, is kind of cool. And then that video played and I was like, what? You just feel <sighs> super embarrassed. Yeah. Like, Sorry, what? guys. What is this video? Why this video? <laughs> like on the YouTube show, they used a portion of that video for his lead in. So all you saw was like the people saying, we need Ricky. And then it cut to him like walking in and he pulls the chain out of his vest and that was it. And it was, okay, they let Pero talk. Sebastian Shaw drew me a picture, but I got this? Like, <laughs> like he's got one that's like the 1-800-Starks line. This is Ricky Starks. There's like a voicemail that he gets where it's like some girl saying like, they all talking crap about you, but they ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> and then it just shows a garage door open and Ricky Starks is standing there <laughs> like silhouetted with his arms that, raised. That's it. Ricky Starks in your garage. Yeah. <laughs> but he starts every yard sale. It's like... <laughs> All, he puts all of Ricky Stark's memorabilia out on the lawn, and then before it starts, he just lets the garage go up and stands there like fucking Randy Orton at the beginning of a match. I love it. But all that to say, like those videos, those make me like him. Like, what is this guy? And this is going to be fun. This video on NWA 70 was just kind of flat. Late 80s, early 90s music video intro, but that was the entire video. Yeah, I was waiting right. for lyrics or something to yeah, happen, something. and nothing happened. It's him doing <laughs> some kind of weird two-step in the parking lot. of like, he, they brought him out to do that, and then made him go in the back so that his music could play and he could come out for the matches. Like, why not just have his music play and send him to the ring from there? Yeah, it was... Super weird. So then you go to a Magnum TA interview. Magnum TA is talking about blood of legends like Ric Flair and Harley Race and Dusty Rose flow through those three letters. And whoever wins will have the weight of the 10 pounds of gold. Magnum TA still, I mean, I thought still seemed to have a little bit in him, you know, even though he's oh, yeah. now Magnum TA, for those who don't know, was in the old NWA around the time of Ric Flair carrying the belt. He was hot. He was the man. Everybody loved him. He was like the baby face. Everybody wanted him to whip ass. And he was, was Cena back in the day. And he was on his way about to probably beat Ric Flair and become the champion. And, and he got into a horrible car wreck. Yeah, so that's that's why he's also out there on the machine that he's on. Speech was kind of like almost, you know, wizard at the beginning of a quest, you know. like <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, I could see Whoever that. Whoever takes this belt will have the blood of legends in their veins. That's... Oh, go forth <laughs> and wrestle. I, I kind of wish that's just like would be his new character. That <laughs> That'd be awesome. Magnum TA, though, I will say, I listened to him talk there, and I was like, that dude's still got it, like in a way that younger people still don't sometimes. Well, and I was <laughs> talking with Kat during the thing, it was just like, some of these guys, you know, if they had the opportunity, they would hop right in that ring. All right, so then the next match starts, and it's the National Heavyweight Championship Qualifier match. This is Pero versus Willie Mack versus Jay Bradley. Versus Ricky Starks. The way this match plays out, just to get it out of the way, Pero was eliminated early on due to what looked like a botched count because everybody, even Jim Cornette, was like, hey, his shoulder's up. Starks caught Bradley in a powerbomb, which Willie Mack followed up with a five-star frog splash, and that eliminated him. Ricky hit a spear, 
on Mac for a close two count, but Willie Mac would eventually hit the stunner and move on to the finals. Love Willie Mac. Willie Mac is Chocolate Thunder. Willie Mac solid stuff. And if you watch those YouTube videos, his story of himself, like it just you know, I thought Jim Cornette could have potentially been a little heavy handed with it. You could tell he was trying to get over the man pulls himself up from the depths and make something out of himself. But it's a legit story with Willie Mac and looks good. He looks strong in this match he's faster than you think he'd be the things you see him do do not mix with what he looks like in in the 10 pounds of gold series like when he's talking about it he's like one of my strengths is is i'm gonna come in there and you look at me and you think i'm gonna move like a dump truck and then i do my thing yeah he moves really well for he's another big guy who moves really really well why are you not talking cat because (laughs) i mean i feel like you had something to say in all of these i didn't even realize you were taking all these notes so cat wrote so glad Bradley and Mac has his name on his butt. <laughs> I didn't know they were at first. <laughs> you need a good identifier. There's people that are going to not know who you are. That makes sense. Paro out by Starks. Bradley uses Stark against Mac. Mac gets Bradley. Starks bit the ropes. Mac did a stunner on Starks. This is valuable Look, insight. When you, when you were talking about wanting to be a commentator earlier, I think realistically what we need to have is cat be a commentator <laughs> but i want them to be clinical like that where it's just okay starks bit the rope arrows out by stark okay the starks bit the rope i was like this is a bad idea like he could come back behind you and like smack you oh like, like a curb stop or something yeah. I was like, what are you doing don't do that that makes sense so, I, I think that's i don't know why you're not talking more i would i would like to watch cat and jim Cornette on commentary <laughs> like because anytime he says anything sexist or racist. I was about to say, especially during the girls' match, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> These guys are walking through hell with gasoline underpants. <laughs> yeah, they are. Todd, Todd loves that line. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why I love that so much. But and Kat's so just going to be like, I'm just glad they have their names on their butts so I know which one's which. <laughs> All right, I guess we'll go on to the next one. Post that match, Jen Decker enter. <laughs> Every time I see Jen Decker, yeah, now. it's like, immediate <laughs> hatred. She interviews Willie Mack, who is confronted by Sam Shaw. Mack calls him a crazy mofo. Yeah, <laughs> said something to the effect of "You better be ready to handle this." Decker literally asked them both to have a stare down. Yep, which I think <laughs> you, you guys are already we doing that. that. <laughs> yeah. And then she asked for it. The thing that saved her in both the Willie Mac interviews is that Willie Mac was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then Jay Bradley comes out, he attacks Mac, and James Ellsworth. For some reason He makes a save. Because that's believable. Yeah. James <laughs> Ellsworth. All right. <laughs> a video package aired for Tim Storm versus Peter Avalon. And then they both come out. It was funny. Like, Peter Avalon comes out. Too, by the way, I will just say, I have seen him wrestle a few times now on the NWA stuff. And I tweeted out the other day, could somebody tell me what his theme music is? And he actually responded. And I saw that. I yeah. saw him respond to you yeah. and tell you what it was. Yeah, he said what the song was. Anyway, I've listened to it on repeat as promised, and it's a really cool song. It's a song by Iron Tom called Be Bold Like Elijah. And it is catchy as hell. Nice. He's accompanied to the ring by uh, Nicholas Marquez, who, if you've listened to our YouTube rewatches, David Marquez, who runs Championship Wrestling from Hollywood or is a producer there. This is his son. But apparently he and professional Peter Avalon PPA have been running roughshod and 
championship wrestling. Anyway, Tim Storm doesn't even wait for his damn music. He just walks out during the middle of the other guy's interest. <laughs> like, I'm here too. Yep. And just, <laughs> I don't know if that's how that's supposed to go down. <laughs> just, was like, Tim, Tim, no! <laughs> it made him seem like he was really anxious to get things going, and then they had the normal build-up to the match. Like, if he had came out and attacked him, or... Right, like know. if he had been angry. Yeah. I mean, because it would have made sense storyline-wise. So Peter Avalon keeps getting the best of Tim Storm. It doesn't get more old school probably than Tim Storm saying, let's do a kiss my foot match. No, you know? I mean, the only thing more old school than that is sitting and watching Tim Storm unlace his boot <laughs> for the kiss uh, my foot portion. I will say this for Peter Avalon. He's also with AEW now. He's the weird librarian character. Okay. I knew he looked familiar to me for some reason. Yeah, he's that guy. I don't know how well that gimmick's getting over. It's like one of the weird parts of AEW, but Peter Avalon looks good in this match. He and Tim Storm have a decent match, and when Tim Storm finally hits the perfect storm, Peter Avalon sells it like a motherfucker, like just flies up into the air and like smack on the mat and Tim Storm gets the pin and wins. Avalon obviously tries to get his manager to kiss Tim Storm's foot, which he did. Then uh, Storm grabs Avalon by the hair and makes him rub his face into his exposed foot. Jim Cornette making the amazing call of, he got tucked into his tootsies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was a decent match. and It was it was pretty good. I always love seeing Tim Storm. I mean, the 10 Pounds of Gold series made me just respect Tim Storm all yeah, the time. I, when, you, uh, when you first asked me on the show and said, you know, to catch up on, on that stuff, Tim Storm was pretty much the first person I was introduced to and was like... I get it. I, I, I see this guy as the champion. This is this makes sense. And yeah. everybody's everybody's having that same thing. I even on YouTube rewatch number seven. I have had Maddie on, which as we're recording this is the one that's out now. And even Maddie was just like, I watched them all. And Tim Storm is just a good guy. Those chest like, slaps are just yeah insane. Yeah, yeah, they do really slap the hell out of the chest in that match. Yeah, Tim Storm's interesting to kind of watch. In terms of he's really powerful, but he doesn't carry himself like a big guy. Kind of got like a, a technical aspect to him, but he's 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 kind of an enigma in terms of what you're going to get out of him. Jim Cornette like, even seems to be trying to like hammer that point because he keeps saying like Tim Storm carved out of granite. Look, look how big he is. Yeah, like, like you know, he, yeah. but he's he's a monster. You yeah. compare him to Avalon. Right. I mean, when back to we talked about in in the the very first. You know, rewatch that I was a part of um, in his WCW days. You know, he was Cowboy Tim Storm, and he stepped over the top rope. You have to be a big guy to do that, right? right? You know, but he he just he has this weird kind of aura about him, and I think that's what makes him appealing to everybody. Is he, you know, he's not going to be like this powerhouse guy. He has that kind of even keel demeanor, but he does a little bit of everything. I mean, I mean, I hope I look that good when I'm his age, and he seems like your dad. And he seems like just a good dude. Yeah, yeah. You appreciate that he's worked his ass off to get where he is, and he still raises family, and he's a school teacher, and he's just doing his wrestling in the spare time. I mean, if anything, I would say it probably makes me a little disappointed that at this point, and you know, not discussing anything going forward or anything like that, it seems like this new show was built on who is Tim Storm, who is the current champion, you know, and it was very much he's the champion, they highlighted him, and now it almost seems like that has passed him by. And and that seems a little disappointing because I'd really like to see him back in that mix, but now you're seeing, like, that younger breed of 
you know, like Cody gets in there and then you have, you know, all the matches that Aldis had for, you know, the the campaign. And then, you know, a guy like Cody fighting Willie Mack and, and that kind of thing. Uh, like Cody versus Tim Storm would have been, I mean, not to take anything away from the Cody Willie Mack match, which was awesome. But like Cody versus Tim Storm would have been really fun to see. Well, I think that's kind of the the downside, the other side of the coin uh, of something like this, where it has that indie rock feel. You play the song. And rather than letting the moment land, rather than extending the story of who is Tim Storm, it's kind of like, oh, here's Tim Storm. He's a teacher. He's really cool. He's really big. And now it's somebody else. So I I, I feel like they didn't let that moment land. In terms of building the brand of NWA and having a champion that, Mm. that fits that true champion mold moving it to Aldis makes a ton of sense. He sure. has that look. What he does in the ring is really good. Right. You know, he has a, a bit of a pedigree from the places he's been. And even as champion, they still had to have multiple series telling you who Tim Storm was. You know, that, that wasn't necessarily the case with Nick Aldis. They didn't have to, to do that. So I, I, that makes sense. Mm. But in that same vein, like, maybe let's revisit that what seemed like a decent rivalry to start. I will say this. I think that there is a part of this that is when you're building things like the NWA, you are not so much a promotion trying to lock everybody down as much as say WWE. Who's like, you work for us and only us and the dates that we've agreed to. We own you basically at this time. I don't legitimately have any inside information of this except that some brief snippets from things and interviews that I've heard, I saw one with Nick Aldis where he mentioned that the plan from the beginning when he was signed was that he was going to take that championship. That's why they hired him. The Tim Storms thing started, I think, working, again, this is me kind of filling in some blanks, but I think Tim Storm started working better than they thought thought he would. Then I think it became a thing of Tim Storm can't promote this thing as much as we need somebody to promote this thing or be in all the places that we need somebody to be. Yeah, that's a double-edged sword for Tim because it while I mean it's clear that teaching is very important to him and that's going to give him a very long shelf life in terms of you know him having plenty of time to recover and then you're still getting plenty of time with him wrestling during breaks and stuff like that but like teaching is very important to him flip side of that coin when you're trying to promote a brand and you've got a guy who's like well I teach school five days a week I can't travel to Chicago this week yeah I gotta and a family on top of it and all that stuff like he's not he's not a single guy in his 20s so to take your your indie rock uh, analogy i think a lot of it is sometimes even with comedy like you got to play to the room you're in it's like sometimes it's just a a different thing absolutely and and you never know what to expect so the nwa is finding like sometimes we've got to we got to recalibrate here although this is working and this is cool this is not going to play in the long haul like we gotta we gotta do something different and my comment isn't to criticize the NWA or their decision. It just is a little sad from a viewer's standpoint that, like I said, at this point, it seems like this title picture has kind of passed him by. Yeah, I think yeah. They, they even know that because I don't know how far you've gotten into the series yet of where they are. But there is going to be a point where Nick Aldis addresses Tim Storm directly about that title situation. They are aware, but I get it. I get totally what you're saying. At this point, not looking ahead, 
Yeah, you feel like Tim Storm's a little left out now. He's like back in the mid card, yeah. like doing his thing. All right, but anyway, with the P- with the Peter Avalon match, Cat uh, wrote that he has a foot fetish, and I think that's <laughs> something that Tim Storm said. Cat, I'm going to include you in this, whether or not you so want to. I described Avalon when he first came out: glitter, mustache, man bun, eyeballs. You know, like most people, <laughs> it's weird for a wrestler to have eyeballs. <laughs> That really stands really out to him. Really big eyeballs. He does. He does have really <laughs> wide eyes. He has like a crazy look about him. He does have that weird, like glittery robe. Yeah. Yeah. Very Ric Flair. Did I, I do feel like that's his like nod to Ric Flair. Yeah. He's definitely trying to pull that. Let's see. You put Storm, school teacher, taught him a lesson. <laughs> You're right. That's good. That's really good. That's good wordplay, baby. You no, I think it. I stole that. I think that was actually in the video. Oh, oh was it? The commentary, oh. at least. Oh, okay. Can't right. even compliment. I know. You did a really good job. No, I didn't. I'm shit. It was in the video. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the NWA Women's Championship match. Jazz defending against Penelope Ford. This is the first real time we get to see Jazz. She is, you know, the NWA just basically kind of Tim Storm, like, reinstated that she had the women's championship before Corgan took over, and he's letting her take back over as the women's champion. Every time I watch Jazz talk or wrestle or anything... Her not dropping an F bomb is always a win for me. Like I always feel like <laughs> I just assume that's what's gonna Yeah. This is one that I'm really interested to get the cat rundown on. I just wanna know yeah. what she wrote down for all of this kind of intro for both of these ladies. It's funny because I was actually watching this one, so I don't You don't have, have as much a whole lot of notes. So Jazz has the title, insisted on entering the ring first. Jazz was a corrections officer. Is a corrections officer. Is a correction is a corrections officer. Yeah, I mean, according to the ten pounds of gold things, that's her other job. She just oh, that's cool. Wow, does that on the side. Penelope tapped out, and Jazz is not just happy with the belt, but she wants the ten pounds of gold shot. Um, But what I didn't write down was, you know, you hear all the smack talk between the guys. And I was actually really impressed by Penelope that she was like given all kinds of respect to Jazz and was like, you know, I'm going to do my best and all that stuff. But I know she's she's great. You know, so I really like that part. I have a quote from Kat. <laughs> when... So you should have just recorded me during the show. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, Penelope got in the ring and they announced her and went back and she started lacing up and tying up her... Her titties. Her titties. It's going to say her accoutrement. Cat said, yeah, you better tie those things down. <laughs> it should be noted, my wife is quite busty. Yes. <laughs> Hadn't noticed. <laughs> that is a lie, Gary. They are what? Annoyingly, annoyingly large? Annoyingly big. <laughs> That's how they've been described by people at this table before yeah. uh, in conversation. It's true. Who said that? <laughs> I don't know. We were, <laughs> we, were, we were at a restaurant. We were playing adult life. Yeah, I think so. You got a card that said you had to describe your the most annoying feature of everybody at the table. <laughs> and we oh, yeah. all we all like sat back. We were all yeah, like, we're all oh, here it comes. Oh, here it comes. <laughs> and I attributed Kat's chestal region to the most annoying <laughs> part about her. Boobs well, are so annoyingly big. Yeah, annoyingly big. <laughs> I will say this just as a dude. Can I just put out there? <laughs> no, 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 no. I will say this about Penelope Ford, and we'll just leave it at that. One of the things is, is that when you do have such, you know, ample, 
No, Ample was not the word I was going to use. Such obvious features about yourself. It's hard not to ever mention it or to notice. You know, you have to work with what the doctor gave you. She's doing that on purpose. Well, (laughs) yeah, I mean, she's doing it. But it's also like, as a guy, are you expected to not ever consider the fact that that's there? Because it's tough. Oh, yeah. You're not allowed to notice. You're not allowed to notice that. Because I heard a lot of shit being given to Jim Cornette during the match but i'm like man there they are well (laughs) there's a way to notice without saying i'm taking in the whole picture as jim Cornette said i guess you're just expected to be respectful and appropriate you know just a, a a little bit although i did one of jennifer's friends uh Rephrase that. <laughs> well, I should have paused did, because did, there was more to that not, sentence. You did not do one of Jennifer's friends. There was more to the sentence. Oh, okay. All right. But one time I did address, they were talking about weird things about women. I was like, when you see a woman with large breasts, sometimes you're like, that woman has large breasts. I do not want to stare at her breasts. So I'm going to be extra focused on maintaining eye contact. But then... When you maintain eye contact, you're like, kid, does she think this is creepy? Yes. And then can she tell that my eyes want to move elsewhere? Absolutely, we can. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm like, and then you're paranoid. Like, slightly bigger than you normally look at at anybody else. So you're clearly like forcing yourself not to move. I will not look at anything but your eyes. <laughs> That's and always they're all weird... staring at me right now in the eyes right now, guys. So yeah. just always, yeah, yeah. Just put up a little blocker. <laughs> Luckily, I don't have a low-cut shirt on today. <laughs> yeah, I'm just staring at your boobs. I'm just putting it out there. But never let your weaknesses out there, guys. <laughs> so, uh, did the ref? Did the ref mess up the count? Did did he actually like? It was a make contact thing. with. Penelope or Jazz or I, I what happened? What happened there? Yeah, I don't know. I definitely had Earl Hebner kind of screwed up the pin, so Jazz immediately just locks her in an STF and wins by submission. And it's especially weird because Jim Cornette even was it this match that he calls yes. out Earl Hebner so about being my, weird. My thought on that is Jim Cornette called out Earl Hebner as being questionable in championship matches, um, going back to the all-in match that he was the ref for with uh, Cody and Nick Aldis. Mm. Neither one of those things I remembered at the time, but through the rest of the show, I kind of pit- I remembered Nick Aldis himself made reference to. He felt there was a time where Cody should have been counted out, and then a time where he should have been disqualified because Brandy came in, and Earl Hebner didn't make either of those calls, and so essentially blamed him for him losing the title. Cornette makes mention of that, and I think the the Hebner flub at the end is probably more to take away confidence in him as a ref for the later match. I I don't think that was um, an accidental. I think that's an on purpose. But let's make it look. Accidental yeah, let's flub. just like drop a. Yeah, like just to, to weave the story a little bit more. Um, now he's in another championship match and he makes another mistake. But in this case, the champion's not going to let that right. define the, the match. So. Right. That makes sense even maybe for the uh, two out of three falls and there's multiple refs involved too. Mm-hmm. Like I think mm-hmm. they have. More. Yeah, I, I think that ended up just being weaving story, but it was it was definitely weird looking the way that it happened. Well, this would be the second. I mean, there was the weird Paro count. I can't remember if that was Hebner during that one. Um, I'm not sure, but even still that, I mean, that one only is weird to us because we were able to see it. If we had the viewpoint of the ref, there's no way to know. Like we had the camera view 
of his shoulder being up. The ref was on the opposite side of him, which is probably a bad place to be as a ref because you need to be able to see both shoulders. But, you know, decision was made. That's where they went for the count. So they couldn't see that both of Perro's shoulders weren't down the whole time. Cap brings up an interesting point that I want to talk about for a minute just because since we're here and we're just all having conversation. Basically, Jazz beats the shit out of Penelope Ford. It was like it was pretty much she gets in some stuff at the beginning. Penelope Ford looks good. Like she's athletic and all that. But Jazz just looks like you would not ever want to fuck with Jazz. No. She beats Penelope Ford and goes outside the ring and they start interviewing her. And she says, where's mine? You know, like Nick Aldis has got the 10 pounds of gold. I don't care if you're a guy or a girl, black or white, I'm here. So it essentially sounds like she's challenging, like, I'll, I'll fight for the, the main title. Yeah. So that's another, like, uh, a disputed thing in wrestling right now is this intergender wrestling hot button topic. What do you, what do you guys think about I'm down. that stuff? Go for it. Well, we've seen some of the local stuff recently. That Savannah Evans. A, Savannah Evans. Savannah. Yeah, yeah, I love Savannah Evans. And and in those, I think, you know, like I, I buy it because I'm like, she deserves a chance to wrestle. Yeah. And she probably doesn't have like a shit ton of women around. There no, were like no other women on the I think no she was the only on one the in the last one we saw. So, so let her go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it, like as a full-time thing. If I can, you know, play devil's advocate, because I'm completely, I'm completely on board. Like, look, you want to fight for the 10 pounds of gold? Go for it. Do it. Absolutely. So to be the voice of opposition, which I never am, I feel like a lot of people are going to say, hey, a lot of kids watch this. It's encouraging violence between men and women, which is never a good thing. I think that they'll say a lot of times, which is honestly, I think I'm interested in how AEW is going to approach uh, with Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose. Is that you are talking about, like even with a transgendered person and, and I'm fully consider myself a progressive person on these kind of issues. I'm just saying when you get people competing against each each other, the, are the opposite sex. One thing that is strange is like men are built bigger and stronger in sure. most cases that the idea of them punching around a woman is tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. Even in the fictional world of wrestling sometimes, like it's just a it's a weird Well, is there I mean is there a, is there a way around that? Is there a can they say, "Hey, look, no straight punches." You know, make it strict make it strictly about wrestling. Or make Not, sure it's the similar weight, you know. Similar weight class. class yeah. I mean, is, is would that be an acceptable thing to have in place? I'm open to the idea of it being okay. I mean, like I said, even with Savannah at the local shows I've seen, she deserves to wrestle as much as anybody. And who else is she going to wrestle? There's all dudes at this exactly. thing. Yeah. Like, she yeah. should wrestle dudes. But at the same time, it's like, imagine the Nick Aldis versus Cody Rhodes match. And is it okay for Nick Aldis slapping jazz around with a table mm. or a, you know, a chair or something, you know, or some of that seems kind of... How can you not feel a little like, uh, well, can, and again, I'll take a a different position here with something like that and using weapons and whatnot. Can that be spun into the story of it all? And would that be acceptable? You know, what's funny is, I mean, I did not intend to do all of this, but I legitimately yesterday spent a little while on instant messenger on Instagram, the DMS. For somebody who asked me because I had dropped a tweet or something, I have been a big fan of Mike Perro. And they were like, can I ask you something in private? And so I was like, yes, you can ask me something in private. And so we had a conversation and they were like, I don't want to put this out in public because I feel uh, like this is, I'll, I'll get sickly shit on if I mention this in public, but does it bother you? 
or like what's so cool about Mike Perro being a gay guy. Like, is it, I feel like that's not, you know, who cares? And, and my response to him was, I was like, listen, I actually know some gay people and I know that the stuff that they have been through, I was like in wrestling. And this is just my answer and feel free to speak. But I was like, traditionally wrestling is not a sport where anybody's like openly homosexual or if they are it's not it's it's, it's a like, it's a character and it's a joke so i told him i was like i get it that shouldn't be the only thing that they have but i can understand being proud of that being a factor because now it's being treated more seriously like pero is he's a big tough dude yeah I, this was my first <laughs> this was my introduction to him and i I'm a fan. The dude, yeah. the dude is huge. He can wrestle. Like it's. I'm a fan. Um, I will, you know, go ahead and answer your anonymous, you know, listeners' question. You know, as a regular straight white dude whose opinion in this does not matter at all, it's important because representation matters. Because growing up, and and Pero talks about it himself, gay athletes have to hide who they are because it's not acceptable. But a guy. That's Perro's size, and Jim Cornette mentions it in this show. If you have a problem with gay people, please go and tell Mike Perro, because I guarantee yeah. you the response <laughs> is not what you're gonna like. In in terms of like Nyla Rose being the the first openly transgender, you know, female competitor, and Mike Perro being the first openly gay male competitor, um, that's not a joke, and he's not playing into that. He's not a stereotype because he's gay. He's just a dude who will kick your ass. He happens to also be gay. But that representation matters for people who are watching it, and they're not just seeing me, and they're not just seeing you, and they're not just seeing Kat, who's a straight white woman. You know, there there's representation there. It's the same reason why Kofi Kingston as WWE champion matters, because there have not been historically a lot of African-American world heavyweight champions. I think Kofi was an, an actual example I used with him. As, a, as I, I said, it's not unlike a black person being world champion. You know, uh, There's another guy that's going to come up later who has an appear named Brad Slayer. He fights for the NWA championship against Nick Aldis. And he talks about, I think I'm the first like openly gay man to fight for the NWA championship. Does it matter for the championship match? Maybe not, but I get him being proud of being that. Yeah, he, he's, he's going like to bring a spotlight to a thing that for the history of the NWA, there have probably been other gay men that fought for that title. But they were never open. But they couldn't be open. It right. was not. A, it was not a thing that was seen as respectable, and they had to hide who they were. So to be able to be... That person now who's saying, I am the first openly gay man to fight for this belt means a lot moving forward because now the next openly gay wrestler to fight for that doesn't have to worry about setting that bar for everyone else. He can just go in and compete. And with something and with something like the NWA championship, having so much history behind it, this adds to the richness of that history. I agree. Of like, yeah. and then, you know, as time progressed and then Mike Perro fought for it. And then we had jazz make a, uh, a you know, a uh, one, a title shot and like, and let this thing evolve as we evolve as a society. Just again, just add to the richness of the history. Cause that's uh, what I was going to say. It was like, so Perro still can probably go after that right now. Whereas jazz, that's what we're kind of started debating was that she really doesn't have that platform right now. She can get the women's championship. Can she go for anything if else? If we don't actually have her fighting a guy or if we don't, 
don't have, you know, women have that opportunity to get that that main title, the NWA title, then she doesn't have a shot for it. Well, that might be an actual interesting story point. Okay, let's say you're allowed to go for the NWA championship. Are you allowed to hold the women's title and the NWA championship? And now you're bringing in this story element of, hey, is the NWA as a company going to progress or are we going to stay traditional or what's going to happen? I find that I find that from a story aspect, very interesting and letting and letting that play out. Well, there was an intriguing point. I mean, and and I'm jumping ahead here, but just before we move on, I mean, that by the end of this pay-per-view, one of the things that like even... I thought was really cool about the NWA that the podcast idea had already spawned, I think at this point, but even another thing I thought would make for a good story or a good article was by the end of this pay-per-view, you've got a black woman as the women's champion. You've got a black man as the national champion. At the time when it occurred, I was like, nobody else is doing this shit. Like these, that's awesome. They've they've got some representation, yeah. in yeah. this thing. But anyway, I'm I'm not trying to get like too deep into this podcast, <laughs> like covering NWA seventy. But it was just some stuff I thought about. Like the the intergender wrestling is a hot button issue right now. Like if you follow wrestling Twitter, it, it's a thing that's discussed. Comedy wrestling is a thing that's discussed. Well, Nyla Rose has been a thing that's discussed. Yeah. It's just been it's all like topics I'm interested in, and I'm I'm coming from a place that I have. The reason that I was asked this, I think, is because the guy was being appreciative for this podcast, but also had seen how much I promoted that I liked Pero and had been like, I hope he signs full time with the NWA. I want to see him all the time because I legitimately do. I think Pero's a badass looking dude. Like he's good. And it seems like the, the person came to you with a legitimate question they had and not everyone should be expected to be as progressive as the next person. So if he's coming to you with just a legitimate question and you guys are just having an open dialogue, that's a lot different than if you are showing your love for the NWA and you want this particular person in there and he's like, no, we don't, you know, why would we want him in it? You know, it's a totally different mindset to have. Yeah, It just and seems he, like in that case... He just had a, a, you know, why would this matter? For what it's worth, and if he's listening right now, it was not that he came at me like, I don't want this guy there. I think even in the conversation was like, I just look at Pero like he's a big monstrous dude and he deserves just to be like a big monstrous dude. Why is this? Why does it matter to his story? It's more that it doesn't matter to his story so much as it matters to the people that are watching his story. And that's that's why it's important. So, you know, I I definitely, you know, we've had the conversation. I I think Jen Decker sucks as an interviewer. I'll go at someone (laughs) if I think they deserve it. I don't think this guy, you know, deserves any of that if, if it's ever a situation or if he is listening. It's not, you know, me giving my answer or my opinion is not to target him in any way i think he no had I think, a legitimate question and i think i said that to a good him. conversation i've specifically told him this i was like it sucks sometimes that you feel like you have to ask me this in a dm rather than online but i get it because you don't want to seem like you're some horrible person or something i was like it's a it's well, a yeah, subject no, worth talking about that, if he asked that same question on twitter he would have been blasted oh yeah for having the question and i don't think people would have taken it as a legitimate curiosity as to why it matters within the story of who Mike Perro is. But you don't learn if you're not able to ask questions like that when you have a genuine curiosity. 100% agree. To go along with that is when you're, when you're introducing wrestling to folks who maybe have never watched it, but when you're introducing new people to this and you're trying to explain at the outset of like, 
Why is this good? Why is this cool? Why is this important? Stuff like this is why. Yeah, there's the the athleticism and yeah, there's the pageantry, but like this has also been a part of our culture for the better part of a century. I've mentioned before that it's one of the last remaining elements of a true art form in, in vaudeville. And as it progresses and continues to evolve, it's going to continue to hold a mirror up to our society and how clean we keep that mirror and how we see ourselves and our society progressing or not progressing is going to be reflected in that mirror. And it's it's really important and it's really powerful. That was way more articulate than I wanted anything to be on this podcast. <laughs> so That's what I bring to the table, Gary. So anyway, I'm glad Jazz. I was just happy that she didn't say fuck at any point. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we go <laughs> all, all the way back around. <laughs> yep, there's that bookend. <laughs> yeah. So she always looks like she's ready. So we'll move on. Now it's time for the NWA National Heavyweight Championship. Willie Mack versus Sam Shaw. Yeah. It's a, it's a good match. I mean, I, I thought it was a really solid match. Both of them really hit some big moves on each other. Shaw kicks out of one of uh, Willie Mack's stunners. Willie Mack very obviously says, what the fuck? So he does not <laughs> abide by the jazz <laughs> rule of, of saying fuck. But he'd eventually hit a second stutter, and Shaw sold it like a champ and earned Willie Mack the victory. He's Woo. the new national champion. I dig him. I want to see more from this guy. Yeah, Willie Mack is is really solid. I like him as a person. Have uh, talked to him a little bit in real life. He is, he is just a good dude. He deserves it. I was happy for him. I was I was bummed. When I first saw him going for that shot against Cody, that was the first time I'd ever seen anything about Willie Mack, and everything I've seen about him ever since has been, Willie Mack's cool. Yeah. Well, and, you know, not to take away from Shaw, like, built like a house. I mean, the Shaw dude, the, has got everything yeah. that you're supposed to have to be a successful professional wrestler. Yeah, and Fred yeah. had some interesting comments. We, we had an interesting back and forth about his look. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's got a really unique look. Uh, from the neck down, he... He is that prototypical wrestler. He's exactly what you want. He'd be a guy that Vince McMahon is in love with. You know, yeah, he's right. You think he's so? Jacked. Yeah. He's got some tattoos, so he's got a little bit of color. He carries himself well. He moves well. And then from the neck up, my man <laughs> is a nineteen twenties bare knuckle brawler. Yeah, ready to ready to engage you in fisticuffs. And and Todd and I were going like we could make some money with Shaw. We're gonna change his whole gimmick. We're gonna put him in some brown pants and like a, a white shirt that comes down to the wrist. He's gonna wear suspenders and to and a bowler, yeah, and a bowler hat when he comes out. And then, like at the beginning of every match, he's just gonna have that, like you know, the fist drawn up. And while they're announcing him, Palm, he's gonna, palms facing yeah, towards his towards himself, just, just and kind of like sidestepping around the ring, like crossing his feet over, just like an old timey boxer. <laughs> Just completely change his whole gimmick. But then as soon as the bell rings, he's the guy you saw fight this yeah, match. Yeah. He's a little like off kilter and he's just going to steamroll you. And like, I think it would be a fun uh, dichotomy to play on like how from the neck up this dude looks like every one of those memes you've ever seen. You right. know, like the bitchman's guy. Like, you know, that. <laughs> <laughs> and on the microphone, he talks like this. Yes. <laughs> he's got like, ah, oh, a- you're Willie back, eh? <laughs> It's got that 1920s radio announcer voice. Oh, Willie Mack. I love it. Pop you one of the kissing. We'll see how back you feel after that. He either has to come out, he either has to come down the ramp on like a really old motorcycle with the sidecar on the left side, or, or he has to come out between two flapper girls. I think that would be really great. 
really great for the look. I like it. Or like his WrestleMania entrance is going to be one of those bikes with like the huge front wheel. Yes, I was yes. about to say yes. the same thing. <laughs> I was bike with the huge front wheel or a unicycle. Oh, God. Cat. I didn't have anything for this one. Bullshit. No. <laughs> um, what I will say, I mean, we were kind of all talking about Willie Mack and how much, you know, how adored he is by the people on this podcast. And I had mentioned um, when we did the last rewatch, when we did for All In, I would say that based off of the exposure I've had recently, probably one of my favorite wrestlers working right now is Pentagon Jr. I think that for his size and the stuff that he does, he's ridiculous. Getting this kind of introduction and, and figuring out you know, who Willie Mack is and seeing what he's done, I would really like to see the two of them work together. Man, uh, that would be... I bet they would have a badass I, I match. I think they would tear it down because both of those guys are guys that you don't think can do the things they do and then... They would just shock you, and, and working together, and the speed, and the the quickness that they both have, and they're both big guys that you know have that power aspect too. I think at one point you were kind of talking about like dream bookings. For me, right now, I think based off of what I've seen, that would be it. Um, I, I bet they would kill it. You know, the the only thing like if I had to point out like a weakness with Willie Mack, and I don't even think this is like a big weakness. I think it's only like a small bit of it. I think there is an obvious. Thing that some people have. You, you hear when you see interviews with people talking about WWE that Vince is looking for like the it factor. And I saw this like a few times in this show uh, that we watched this evening. And I think Willie Mack has it. I don't think he has it like in his interviews. I think he's okay. Like he's fine. Maybe he had a better interviewer. Maybe. Maybe it was <laughs> that. I'm glad Kat and I are on the same page. But I think that he took this match, like when he walked out there in that match and he started going, the crowd just woke up. They were into seeing Willie Mack in this match. And not to take away from Samuel Shaw, Willie Mack just like commands this attention. Very like, infectious energy. Yeah. It's just like seeing him go makes you pumped. It's the same thing that we're going to see later with, I want you guy like Cody Rhodes walk out. And I'm like, he demands that you will be excited yeah. that he is fighting. Dude. Samuel Shaw could be wrestling's next Psycho Sid. He could be like that that villain who has no care or compunction about what he does. Um, I mean, there's a, a definitely a, a vibe that he gives off. He, he has that same thing. And in that regard, he's going to get to the crowd in terms of making sure that when the heat turns and, and you know, whoever he's beating the crap out of, you know, right. gets the, the advantage again, they're going to love it. it. But it's a different thing than what you're saying with Willie Mack. Who, yeah, it's like some people have to do like some, like we talked about Sammy Guevara, like he's got these flashing moves. Like he, he pulled it out of people, I think, during that match, like because you're like, holy shit, like yeah. this guy can go. To the earlier match when you have the Laredo kid versus... Um, Barrett Brown. Barrett yeah. Brown. Uh, one of the things I didn't mention, but when it comes to those like smaller, quicker pace, like luchador type matches, the, the only thing that I, I dislike with them, and it, I, I've mentioned before, it's kind of my um, issue with, you know, some of the matches that you see in AEW is they seem spot festy. They're just guys doing moves, rapid fire, and nothing, nothing lands or nothing is sold, nothing sticks. The crowd is going to respect the moves because there's a level of athleticism there to respect but it, it's just for the sake of hearing the oohs and ahs 
that's not how the crowd reacts to Willie Mack. They're invested in what he's doing. My last note on this match is that it's a show stealer. I think I think this might have been the best the best of the of the show, debatable debatably, but this was really awesome. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made for it. People were invested in yeah. in Mac winning that championship. Yeah. It's a cool looking belt. Yeah, I dig yeah. it. I wanted I wanted to talk about that at least a little bit. It's like it's a it's a unique looking championship. Yeah, and it's not it's not that they made it up. By the way, like I, I can post pictures and everything. I mean, this is a title that existed back in like late seventies, early eighties that Ric Flair wore and Terry Funk and like people like that. I mean, this is pretty much that championship. It was a weird ass belt. Like it just has always been that way. But Jeff Jarrett brought it to the ring. Was he the last person to have it? Mm, I don't even know if he ever actually had that belt. Oh, okay. but And you're going to see this with the NWA, with the women's title in the near future. They're bringing back the titles that existed in those nostalgic periods. That's the cool thing about the NWA is we just finished talking about, you know, are they going to hold to tradition or are they going to change with the times? But actually, that's one aspect that's kind of cool that they're keeping like the historic belts. Because, you know, with other companies, you know, as fads come and go, they'll change the titles and it just sort of cheapens it a little bit. All right. So the very next match that happens is the War Kings with Animal versus, well, it ends up being versus Shannon Moore and Crazy Steve. Not that it matters much. The War Kings destroyed everybody. Yeah. But Josephus teases that he's going to have Hollywood from Glow and the spiritual advisor from my fantasies um <laughs> they're gonna bathe you in blood and all of this stuff like josephus has taken the open challenge of the war kings they wanted to come into the nwa and prove that they were a great tag team and they want to make themselves known they tease this but it actually turns out that the real opponents are like i said shannon moore and crazy steve uh, shannon moore from wwe fame it's mostly a showcase for the war kings the, yeah, the war is... kings get to destroy them like the road warriors back in the day would have destroyed a team. What's funny about this, not to drag us through the, the muck of it all again, but I mean, they're actively saying like when he's got the spiritual advisor in Hollywood, they're like, you're not going to fight with a girl, right? Two matches after jazz is challenged yeah. for the championship. Little bit of mixed messages here. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, cause I mean, we've seen the, the spiritual advisor who I mean was walking down to the ring, but Kat pointed out I was like, she's in a ball gown. Like <laughs> is she gonna wrestle in a ball gown? What I was totally hell? expecting her to just kind of whoosh, you know. I like, did rip, too. Rip I thought she might have something right. going on underneath. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you want to anyway. just rub her head? I do want to yeah. rub her head. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I definitely do. Please no one talk to my wife. Um <laughs> And the official announcement that occurs after, this almost is like a promo for this. Coming up soon, we're introducing the Crockett Cup. Yeah, yeah I think that's probably the best way to describe what this match was. Is All it is is a promotion for the upcoming Crockett Cup because this was really kind of throwaway to me. Like, yeah, you get to see the War Kings and, you know, they looked great in beating up two guys. One you don't know and the other you haven't thought of since... The Hardy Boys were in their first stint of popularity in right. WWE. All that build up with Josephus and and all of that, it, that seemed interesting. And I was like, okay, I'm very curious to see if they go through with this and, and this is what they do. Or it's Josephus. There's something. He's going to do something. But he just 
he did, he didn't seem essential to this, and it just seemed like a build up to. Oh, by the way, guys, we're going to do a Crockett Cup, so you should come. So, whatever. It's an advertisement for the Crockett Cup, which, by the way, I was excited for. I thought it was cool because I love tag teams in general. Also established earlier on, I am a huge mark, as they say, for tournaments. So, a tag team tournament sounds great to me. All right. And then, ladies and gentlemen... The moment you've all been waiting for. We get ready... Oh, well, sorry. First... Before you get to the main event, you get a brief interview with Dory Funk. Dory Rory Funk. Rory with Dory Funk. <laughs> Rory Dory Funk. Uh, what's what's her name? Jen Becker. Decker. Decker. Jen Decker. Yeah. I'm like I direct just eye contact at, with you, and I, it'll be my angry face when I tell you I love you looking her name. at Fred when I talk about her. <laughs> She's alongside Dory Funk Jr. and mentions he's a man who needs no introduction, <laughs> and then introduces him. Rory Dory Funk. <laughs> Here. <laughs> Rory Dory Funk Jr. Look, all we're doing There's a chant from is the crowd. highlighting how amazing Jen Decker is at her job. <laughs> um, she's clearly the highlight of the show. Kat, you look disgusted. I'm not. <laughs> she should be. She should be disgusted in what Jen Decker has done to this show. There's a there's a crowd chant of Rory. 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 <laughs> Rory. Poor Dory Funk Jr. who just he's he's an old man. Which you know? is yeah. great because even though the crowd is chanting Rory, his old ears will only hear Dory, so it's just an adoring crowd <laughs> loving him, not making fun of the interviewer. Something about old guys like Kat and I have talked about this when we go to comic book conventions. The best panels to go to are the ones with the old guys the old writers the old pencilers and colorists who love telling the stories how badass is dory funk in his cowboy hat with his nwa championship pin and that fucking whip sorry i'm not are we supposed to curse i think it's too late now a little late for that (laughs) (laughs) sorry apparently todd is the jazz of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) i'll take i'll be the jazz of this podcast that's fine but your bitch better have her shit together and he's got that and he's got that whip too and like they cut away from him and you're hearing this thing in the background but then like if you look close you can see him in the back just cracking that whip i'm like that that's that's badass that's really it's cool. pretty badass so, so much so that they try to cut to like joe galley and jim Cornette, and they have to cut back to tory Funk yeah Jr. they're like yeah this, this asshole still just cracking this whip back here let's go look at him <laughs> dory funk jr makes people watch wrestling <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. don't cut away from that man with a right. whip you don't step away from dory dory funk jr jack stade tim storm colt cabana blue demon jr and jeff jarrett enter in a little mini parade they're former champions. They're there to greet the contenders as the main event. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Tony Schiavone, he lands at the desk to do commentary with Joe Galli and uh, Jim Cornette. And then it's time. It's the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Oh. Cody versus Nick Aldis. Nice. Two out of three falls. I did not realize it was like halfway through the match before I realized that all those people just stayed out there the whole time. Yeah, they didn't. Wow. They didn't show you until later, and it was. I think that kind of caught all of us off guard. They're like, "Oh, they're just there lining the ramp to yeah. the ring." Yeah, they handed them chairs. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I legitimately do for for everything that it's worth. Think this is Nick Aldis's best match I had seen him have at this point. 
I thought this was a pretty good match. Like, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, two out of three falls is significant in the fact that this is an NWA 70. And back in the day, for those that don't know, all NWA title matches were two out of three falls. Really? I'm glad it you was said a, that because I was actually going to ask because that was a really long match. Yeah, that was the thing for NWA title matches. <laughs> Is no. it about wrestling? Yeah, old no, school. Like, I, I, old school ESPN updates about the NWA title. Bruce Mitchell uh, from Pro Wrestling Torch talks about it, like Easter eggs. Like if you want to look for them that happen in this match, that are callbacks to things that have happened. One of them, for instance, is like Jerry Lawler, King Jerry Lawler, and yeah. Bill Dundee versus Larry Latham and Wayne Ferris, who is the Honky Tonk Man. In Tupelo, Mississippi, the Tupelo concession stand brawl. Like them in this match oh. going to the concession stand is a callback to that concession stand oh, man, brawl. That's cool. Yeah, there's a lot of history at play with this matchup. So uh, the first fall is Cody locks on a figure four. Nick's able to get to the ropes, ends up putting on his Kingsland Cloverleaf, mm-hmm. and Cody taps out immediately, which is the cool part of about the two out of three falls. Cody taps out because he's like, I got to save my legs. I can't just have my leg broken. Tactical decision. I'm stuck. Right. right. I'll tap out. Hopefully, I get the next two falls. They get back in the ring. It ends up uh, Cody gets outside. Brandy tries to interfere. Nick Aldis has introduced his new insurance policy. Camille. Once they get out, yes. Once they get out of the ring... Cody takes a trash can to Aldis, then they make their way over to the concession stand. Cody hits Aldis with a cup of cola, and then uh, Aldis does a thing on the <laughs> road, on the on the ramp. Yeah, this is good, accurate. This is why you're going to work for the NWA from here. Yeah, cup of cola. Aldis does a thing on the ropes. Yep. <laughs> Moves happen. But Cody's not hearing any of it from Tim Storm. Cody does punch Tim Storm in the face, right? which I feel like got his heat that he had in the night. Right. Nobody's okay with that, Cody. No. You can't hit Tim Storm. But it's because Cody had brought a table into the ring. So there's some interaction like Brandy's involved, Camille gets involved, which is what Nick Aldis brought her in for, is this exact thing, to get in her face if Brandy's going to try to put herself in the middle of this match. Despite all this, the ref, Earl Hebner, ends up getting the table tossed outside of the ring, but they struggle to the outside of the ring where Nick Aldis sets up the table, gets Cody, throws him outside, puts him on the table, goes up to the top, and is going to drop that magnificent elbow onto Cody Rhodes, but Cody Rhodes is no longer there when he does it, and Nick Aldis does a horrific bump through the table to the outside of the ring. It's rough looking. Yeah, because he doesn't even hit the pad. He lands on exposed concrete through yeah. that table. Like, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. rough. It was, it was a pretty solid bump. We were talking about, I mean, even Jim Cornette's like, oh yeah, they know how to fall from 15 feet onto a concrete floor. Okay. Uh, and it felt that way. Like It looked like a, a harsh bump. Cody gets Nick back in the ring, hits the crossroads for the second fall of the evening. With that... Everything started to pick up. Both valets get thrown out of the match by the ref. And all the legends. Everybody. Everybody Everybody. gets thrown out. Everybody got to go. You get the crowd chanting, this is awesome. Fight forever. The finish finally comes when Aldis tries to go for a cloverleaf, but Cody has his boot loosened. Nick ends up pulling off the boot. Harkens back to an Eddie Guerrero match, I believe. Trying to grab the foot, and it slips off. It was a him versus Kurt Angle, and when he locks in the yeah. ankle lock, he slips his boot out and then rolls him up. So Cody does go for the small package, but 
Nick ends up shifting the momentum and gets the pinfall victory over Cody. And everybody, including Cody, is very stunned by but, this I mean, turn of Everybody, events. including Nick, is stunned by this turn of I mean, nobody really made it seem like neither. that's not how either one of them wanted it to end. Cody loses his boot and his belt. Just let it sit, guys. Just let it sit. <laughs> Nick Aldis is your new NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Here's the thing. Here's what's happening here. Let us hearken back to the beginning of this podcast. When we talk a little bit about Tim Storm, where Nick Aldis ends up taking the belt. He takes the belt at a, I believe it's CZW, is where he ends up getting the championship win. And it's a match that even on the 10 Pounds of Gold series that they don't get to show. So Nick Aldis just, Fred, I don't remember if it was in yours or whose it yeah, was with we, Yeah, we talked about Where we're just kind of like, whoa, what? Yeah. Like Nick Aldis is... The champ, like he just is the champ all of a sudden. Yeah, they had all this build up and, and all these different videos that you're going into. And then the next video you get is Nick Aldis is your, you know, NWA world heavyweight champion. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. And then even what they were able to show was just kind of clips. Like, I don't know that you ever got the full Aldis Storm match. Yeah. Right? I think that this match, in reality, there's there's just a lot of things going on here. One thing that annoyed me, if I could say this, about the announcing is everybody is just like shocked. I mean, I get the crowds a little shocked, but the announcers are acting like this is a huge upset. I don't agree with that call because I think that the, if anything, this should be looked at as an even matchup and Nick Aldis gets the win. You should maybe hope for a third match between the two, like a rubber match. But I don't want it to be... I mean, Cody is a star, so it makes sense that he's the champ going into this first ever NWA-sponsored event. But I think this should be about how Nick Aldis handled his loss, getting the win again. I guess my thing is, is that the announcers treated it like it was surprising, and I don't think that it should be surprising. For all intents and purposes, this is Nick Aldis's coming out party. This is a proper introduction a proper, of Nick Aldis as the champion. Yes, he beat a legit competitor, and he is on top now. Right. This is why he's champion. Right. Everything that happened before, I mean, he was doing his job. He was carrying that title. But I think that by this win over Cody, it establishes this is why he's our champion. And it's kind of nice to see that some of these grudges go on. Even the stuff between Tim Storm and Peter Avalon. Peter, Peter Avalon. Avalon, yeah. Let this continue. Let this be a series thing of like, okay, the next time they go up against each other, it's going to be Aldous and Rhodes 3. Let it continue to be a thing. The NWA seems to be all about tradition and letting these historical things carry on. So let it carry on. There's a tough part about that. I mean, you don't want everything that you do to rely completely on nostalgia. True. Very true. That said, you can't overestimate the power of nostalgia. It can't be the only thing you got. I feel like that only goes so far. It's okay to have some nostalgia in there. And I feel like there was a win-win for both people here. Cody still gets to maintain who he is 
and he gets to have a title that his father held, and it meant something to him to hold that title. It also boosts the NWA further than they probably had intended to so early into the mainstream. They try to maintain that position, while Cody, not exactly at this moment, but as we know now, moves on to something else. So it's it's kind of a launching point in wrestling history. I think it's a significant point in wrestling history. I initially was really surprised that it wasn't Cody, but I, I think you're right. I think Aldis had a great match. Well-deserved. I thought this was a better match than the All-In match. I mean, I think as a wrestling match, I think that at All-In emotionally, like seeing Cody win that title for the first time after the build-up to like his dad having the title, that's hard to top. But I think as a, a match as a whole, it is really, really solid. What you were kind of talking about in terms of the disappointment you had. I was just kind of listening to to see where you went with that. And it, it's actually something I didn't pick up on, their reaction to how everything ended and, and seeming like they had that level of shock with all this. But I think your criticism is fair, especially because, you know, the announcers should have an idea of what's moving forward. I mean, Aldis is the NWA guy. Cody's not. So if, right. if Aldis wins that, it shouldn't have that level of shock because... Who else is going to move forward with the belt? I had talked earlier about it making sense at All In, Cody winning and holding the belt through into NWA's first major event that they're trying to sell to the public and and having that level of notoriety and star power hold your belt for a little bit, which is taking nothing away from Storm or Aldis or anything like that. But having that level of more popular, more mainstream, more well-known guy hold your belt and win it at his event because All In is his event. Aldis is right about that. Um, All In is a an event that Cody put together with his buddies. And while it's, you know, kind of everybody there, the only real NWA representative was Nick Aldis. So it's not an NWA event. It's just this belt being represented at someone else's event. This is an NWA event. Nick is an NWA guy. For him to leave as NWA champion only makes sense. It's the logical step because who are you going to have representing it going forward? Cody Rhodes, who is world-renowned and we now know had something else brewing and was building AEW, which would be announced very shortly thereafter, which was going to take his attention, kind of what you mentioned with the Storm thing. Cody wouldn't have ended up being the best ambassador of it because now his attention would have been torn in other directions. It only makes sense for you to have that guy who has shown he can be that top level. He can take it wherever you need it to. He can put in all the work you're asking of the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. So I, I would be remiss if I did not throw out, regarding everything that happened, immediately after the pay-per-view, Billy Corgan, who was on hand for the event, you didn't see him on TV, which I think is actually... Uh, they, I thought they we had, did. They had a shot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did they have mm-hmm. him? Just briefly. Oh, I missed it. Sorry. All right, so Billy Corgan, who was on hand briefly, he posted on Instagram a photo of the NWA 70, and he had these things to say. NWA 70 thoughts in no particular order. Magnum TA, he was an absolute joy to engage with and showed when speaking live of the NWA's future why he is so highly regarded with fans and the people in this business. Jim Cornette on commentary reminded why there is no one better with a microphone and I appreciate him lending his gravitas to this event. His partner, Joe Galley, has such a bright future, and I hope he will remain as our leading voice for decades. 
as well, I was thrilled to have Tony Schiavone call the main event. As this highlights one of the greatest pleasures of owning the NWA, which is seeing these legends do what they do best. On the production side, we fell short on providing a televised event up to the standard that I would consider acceptable, which reminded me greatly as to why people question my pursuit of TNA in terms of wanting to buy the company and so filed a lawsuit to do so. Put simply, building up a culture like Smashing Pumpkins or the NWA takes time, trial and error, and great risk, and throwing money at the problems does not necessarily correct the issues and in some cases makes it worse. So last night, I was painfully reminded of how hard this journey is and knew by the time the last bell rung, we have much work to do before we will run another such live event, which in no way diminishes my appreciation for those who ordered or attended the event. In fact, it increases it. Sitting ringside for the main event, I had one recurring thought, which is there are only a few people on the planet, let's say the number is under 30, who could do what Nick and Cody did last night. Or, as I used to tell my mother, this is why they pay me the big bucks, ma. Skilled, talented people need the right stage and crowd to show their best, and last night was exactly that. The fans were fantastic, pushing Cody and Nick to a place that I think surprised them. I remain hopeful for a third definitive contest. And lastly, the vibe backstage with talent was jubilant and hopeful. From a living legend like Dory Funk Jr. to the kid in the dark, that speaks volumes to me. That sounds like an artist who has been subjected to the executive editing process, but knows the value of it as well and just says, hey, look, we've got a lot of really talented people doing amazing things, but we've also got room to grow, too. Right. I think he knew the shortcomings. I think I think he was probably a little disappointed with, with how the production came off, going back to all those sound issues that we mentioned and stuff like that. Because if you're going to be big time, it's sad to admit, but there's not a lot of room for error. But I, I think that goes back to the thing I said at the beginning, too, that if you were AEW and you were coming in with Jacksonville Jaguar money, and we'd have been like, oh, you're screwed. But if you're coming in like these guys, trying to grow steadily you maybe there's some forgiveness yep. yeah maybe maybe there can be some forgiveness for like eh, everything's not going to work perfect all the time anyway i guess we're at the point right now where we can give some final thoughts on the show we're we're headed into the next chapter of the nwa nick aldis is back your champion we've now got many more characters from the last times we all discussed on the YouTube rewatches. Now we have a national champion in Willie Mack. We have a women's champion in Jazz. Who knows what the future holds? There's a tag team tournament that may or may not include tag team championships. It will. Um, <laughs> and so the roster is growing. How, how, are you, how are you feeling so far, Todd? I've already uh, planted my uh, flag uh, firmly in the camp of Willie Mack. Love his character, love his style, love his uh, performance in the ring. I'm excited to see what continues to happen with the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. But I'm also excited to see what happens with the Women's Championship. Like, are they going to give Jazz a chance? Uh, are they going to give her a shot with 10 pounds of gold? How are they going to spin that story-wise? Um, you know, once Crockett Cup comes and goes, um, how is that going to play into things? I'm on board. Like, I said that from the first time I came on this show, and I'll... I'll continue to say that I'm in, you know, story wise, 
uh, entertainment-wise, uh, athleticism, it's all there. The days of the Monopoly are gone. And these folks, these artists, I'll refer to them as artists confidently, these artists know a good opportunity when they see one. And they know to strike while the iron is hot. So when Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana made their move, they also made their move. They said, let's not wait. Let's go ahead. Let's jump in. We can do this too. It seems to be going well all the way around. I had a lot of fun watching this with you guys. Um, like I said, I think I think it was a good show, um, even if there were some technical difficulties. There's a lot of exciting things coming. And, you know, like we talked about, the representation of different people within the organization uh, or just in society in general. I'll echo Todd. I'm really excited to see uh, what they do if they bring jazz in to uh, go for additional belts. Before Fred chimes in, just because Kat... Fred, shut the fuck up for a second. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Fred. (laughs) Because I I had this question, I had this thought, but we had moved on uh, previously. And again, maybe me being a comedian is why I think of this, but Andy Kaufman had a belt. He was the intergender champion of the world. Who has that belt? Will, well, they, will they bring that back? Is that a thing that they can bring back? No, that's, no. That's part of wrestling history. Yeah, it's and part NWA of wrestling. is all about the history here. Yeah, I mean, it is. But I mean, I think the whole point of that belt was relying on that aspect of like, it's... I well, mean, it started as a joke, yeah, but I mean, it's can, they make, it, can they make it a serious like, thing? I should not be a dude beating up women. I mean, that was kind of the joke. But like, can they turn it on its head? So that when women... Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't... I, this is all... Well, because I think the story can be spun of like, hey, we weren't taken seriously. This was treated as a joke, but we are here. We are proud of this thing. We are proud of who we are. Let us take this thing that you think is a joke and make this real. I'm going to be honest with you, Todd. I'm going to probably try to research that and see what that title was. I think we should. I think we should find out where that title went, what that, what the entire storyline of that was and how it ended. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. I mean, Jerry was very, uh, Jerry Lawler was very involved with it. It was a huge deal. It was a big, it was a big thing. It was a big, it was a big thing. It ended up on David Letterman. Yeah. And it it was was a big thing for wrestling Period. Maybe you're on to something. Who knows? Fred, and to you. Top that, Man, bitch. Follow that. Um, <laughs> just in, in terms of that conversation, because I didn't really say anything earlier, you know, I think, Gary, you were pretty spot on with the, the not necessarily the danger, but the optics. And a lot of things that matter um, now in terms of, of business or the, the what you present is the optics of it. And you're always going to have that problem of if you have a man and a woman in a wrestling match, it is a man beating up on a woman. And that there's always going to be that subset of society that there's no possible way they can ever look at that as anything other than a negative. So you just have to decide if it's better you know, can can you avoid that lash from that group that's going to have that feeling? Um, if you can present it as this is just entertainment, you know, because it's it walks that fine line. You're trying to present this as a product that is an athletic endeavor, but in that regard, it needs to be sold as entertainment because it's not real you know like that's where you need to really highlight on that this is not a real thing he's not really beating the crap out of this this woman there 
engaging in a very athletic dance. There, um, there's a super weird midpoint that that wrestling takes, and I, I feel like we almost even have to have like a whole episode devoted to this. But Todd mentioned like, can you have like certain rules that can establish like the contest? I mean, Cat mentioned Savannah Evans, who I'm a big fan of, and I I love what she does. But in the events that she has, I I don't feel like I've even seen her be in a place where she's getting like punched in the face by a dude. It's wrestling. Yeah, that's like, what I was actually going to say. It sounds like like we've been focusing on, you know, looking at the man beating up the woman. And it's, it's more like, you know, what if she's doing really well? You know, like you don't, I, the couple of matches I've seen Savannah in, I don't even really think about that because they play it off so well that I'm not thinking about the fact that they're, there's something, you know. Something in terms of how long that that, like longevity wise, mm-hmm. that is a great spectacle until you're trying to tell a story because wrestling is a story. There has to be an ebb and flow. So you can't have just the woman beating up on the guy the whole time. There has to be... Yeah, it's back uh, and forth. Yeah, there has to be. So it doesn't have to be punching. But, I mean, think about taking a a woman up and powerbombing her. Mike Perro taking a woman half his size up and power bombing her to the mat that's not a punch that's in effect in in optics way more devastating than the punches that they throw i mean there's a story if you want to talk about lore and legend of, of the nwa rick flair taught himself how to throw punches by putting a piece of paper up on a door right and he would throw punches at that piece of paper until he could throw a punch that looked real but didn't move the paper. So when these guys are throwing punches, they're not there. It looks brutal, but it's the optics. All that matters is it looks like I'm punching Cat in the face. It looks like I'm picking Cat up and slamming her into the mat. She knows how to take that bump. She knows how to roll through it. And the realistically, in a power bomb, the person doing the move is assuming all of the you know, it's almost like setting them down. It just sounds really bad. And, you know, all of these things, but it's the optics. It, it's how it appears. And that's the line they have to walk. That's where it becomes. And, and, when's, and when's the point that people are going to be okay with it? You know what I mean? Like, you know, in a movie, it's even one thing to like see. It just is like to see an action movie where dudes are like punching each other in the face. But the second that a dude is like grabbing a woman and like punching her in the face, it's a different thing. Even if it's a movie, like you're just like, fuck that guy. Well, and they're athletes and they're doing it in a ring where it's supposed to be happening. So it's not like marital abuse or, you know, she's there and she doesn't, I mean, she doesn't want to get hit, but I mean, neither does he. So yeah, so, you know, so you're saying nobody like wants to get like punched in the face. Even playing field. <laughs> this in is this like people scenario. electing to step exactly. into I mean, a it's, situation. It's, yeah. it's all the times where women want to be on the football field, or women want to be at the Citadel, or women want to be, you know, I mean, everywhere where we haven't been allowed to be because it's been a man's world. So this is one of those places where I mean, we have they've had their own, you know, matches and everything like that. But now they want to rise up and say, No, I want, I want that main title. You know, so why can't right. I, why can't I, why can't I try for it? Why can't I have like, a I'm shot? Good you know, to... I may not make it. There's, they, these guys are great, but why can't I try for it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cats for it in her gender. 
wrestling. I am. No, no, I, 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 mean, I think that's, I, a, I, that's I do a good point. Worry about, I, I honestly do worry about these massive dudes, you know, and depending on the size of the woman, like they're the, like you said, the optics of that. But then I think that's where the technical the aspect but comes yeah, into like, play. Okay, so if I'm playing for the other side of that. <laughs> The, the thing that I would say is like what you're concerned about is like were this UFC like you Let's would make it so it's possible. And yeah. UFC Let's has weight classes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you if you if we're talking about mixed martial artists, there are weight classes for this specific purpose. Like you do not see a 150 pound guy fighting a 300 pound guy. And those are guys. You don't see that anymore. So if you could take weight classes into account could you make it work like i mean they're willingly stepping into the ring and it's yeah societally Mm -hmm. it's frowned upon but like kat mentioned it's not spousal abuse it's a woman accepting responsibility and saying i think i can handle this dude and and we have seen some matches between two guys that are very different in sizes, you know, and the little guys running around and, and it's speed over hell, over strength. Hell, to take it into the real world, I used to work in law enforcement. Some of the toughest officers I, I ever worked with were women. I'd go, I'd follow them into war. They were some tough, some <laughs> tough officers. And I mean, I think this issue is going to be one where the NWA is going to have to say, hey, look, are we going to follow or are we going to lead? Because I think this this issue may set them apart and will have them take center stage on a on a world on a worldwide scale in terms of this issue and having it benefit everyone within the company and also expanding our views as a society. But we're going to need a better commentator. Yes. <laughs> I think Absolutely. what this is proving is that this is a way for This is the NWA podcast to uh, expand outside of just <laughs> only discussing like current events that have already happened, but actually talking about topics in wrestling. And, and that's that's not a bad thing. That's a that's an interesting concept to have. I, I, I think there could be like a whole podcast about exactly these issues. That said, we are... Hitting the limit on people's attention span, probably. <laughs> Anything Fred said, we'll cut out. Um, but that no, sounds about right. I'm just kidding, Fred. I keep trying to hear myself in the other episodes, and I'm like, I, I know I was there. Uh, <laughs> but were you? <laughs> All right. So does anybody have anything left to say about NWA 70, which is why we originally came here for? I am... By the way, that's not a uh, diss at all. Like, I think it's been fun having yeah. the conversation we've had. I think I'm going to go get that 70th uh, card t-shirt. All right. It's a nice. cool t-shirt. Um, it I is a that. cool t-shirt. Just to, to wrap up, like, final thoughts on the whole show. One of the things I, I had asked for in the very beginning when you first asked me to rewatch is I wanted to see more, I guess, more from the NWA. And I thought this was really fun in that, at least at the time, this was an entire card of almost directly nwa related performers um and we hadn't seen that you know we're seeing them at championship wrestling of hollywood where it's you know a couple of guys that are going to another promotion you right. know all in which isn't an nwa event you know this was a, an nwa event and i think in terms of showing that you have a product with any kind of long-standing hope despite its flaws which 
were there and everyone even you know billy corgan mentioned them you know recognized it really puts a lot of hope on what they're building and i think that's the one thing that i was kind of looking for is that i didn't just want to see them not necessarily coattailing but coattailing on uh, in, in other organizations to be able to see them do with just their own you know, people. And, and the fact that you say we've got this expanding roster and we're going to get to see so much more in the, the Crockett Cup and, you know, the other things that we're going to get to see from them. I think this was a, a huge step in, you know, a positive direction for the NWA as a whole. I agree. I think this is a bumpy start to say the least, but it is a start and it is going to lead into much better things, including uh, like you mentioned, the Crockett Cup, there's going to be a New Year's bash that we're uh, going to hit on, hopefully, before we even get to the Crockett Cup. But by the time of the Crockett Cup, I thought it was a magnificent event. And the NWA is really putting it together by the time that they head into, uh, at the time of this recording, their uh, television show that they're planning on doing on September 30th, October 1st. That out of the way. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Kat, for joining me while we cover NWA 70. This got in way deeper than I even intended. Partially my fault, so I have no fault but my own and i uh don't regret it at all i think it's just proved that there are other areas to expand to in the discussion of wrestling and the national wrestling alliance thank you everybody who's listening i hope you enjoyed this deep dive into nwa 70 and i hope you tune in for future episodes when we hopefully with some of these same people uh dig into the other events that come up for the nwa as we lead into their current iteration and their uh television show that they're starting very soon anything else anybody wants to say thanks gary uh everybody tell me put your social media out there i'm at mr todd a davis on facebook twitter and instagram if you want to come see me do uh stand-up comedy hit up my uh, facebook page or if you want to see pictures of uh, my dog and food and old cars and selfies of me and my wife hit my Instagram. So hope to see you there. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at O'Reilly underscore Fred O-R-L-Y. Nothing fun. <laughs> so just follow. Just anyway. him retweeting when I post about him. Pretty much. <laughs> at that dot darn dot cat with a K on Instagram. Same then, deal as Fred. Uh, yeah. Not a whole lot going on there. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Except what people tag me in. I am at Rock and Roll Gary, all spelled out. The podcast, which is most important of all, you can find at the NWA Pod on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook.com slash the NWA Pod. Easy to find. Come talk to us about wrestling. All of these people, including the lovely cat. I mean, I know how hard it is to find ladies that will talk to you about wrestling at that dot darn dot cat. <laughs> anyway, all of us. Mr. Todd A. Davis, oh really, Fred, we all want to talk to you about wrestling, especially the NWA. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Oh!